Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and I want to welcome you to a very special episode of our sermon podcast. This episode drops on Christmas Eve, so I want to start out our time together today by wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas. And Christmas Eve at Melbourne Heights is a chance for us to slow down just a little bit before the busyness and commotion of Christmas Day and really reflect on what this season is all about. So during our time together today, we're going to kick off by having our kids at Melbourne Heights read us the Christmas story. And then I'll spend some time explaining that the story of Christmas isn't just about the good news that a baby has been born, but it's the good news that Jesus, our Messiah, has entered into this world. So let's get right into this episode sermon. And Caesar Augustus made a law. It required that a list be made of everyone in the whole Roman world. It was the first time the list was made of the people while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their town to be listed. So Joseph went also. He went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. That is where Bethlehem the town David was. Joseph went there because he belonged to the family line of David. He went there with Mary to be listed. Mary was engaged to him. She was expecting a baby. While Joseph and Mary were there, the time came for the child to be born. She gave birth on her first ba- to her first baby. It was a boy. She wrapped him in large strips of cloth. Then she placed him in a manger. That's because there was no guest room where they could stay. There were shepherds living out in the field nearby. It was night and they were taking care of their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Not be afraid. I bring you good news. It will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Here is how you will will know I am telling you the truth. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, laying in a manger. Suddenly a large group of angels from heaven also appeared. They were praising God, they said. May glory be given to God in the highest heaven, and may peace be given to those he is pleased with on earth. Danger left and went to heaven. Then the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. The baby was lying in the manger. After the shepherds had seen him, they told everyone. They reported what the angel had said about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary kept all these things like a secret treasure in her heart. She sought about them over and over. The shepherds returned. They gave glory and praise to God. Everything they had seen and heard was just as they had been told. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. This story that some of our children just read is the story brought, that brought us all here tonight to worship. 
It's a story that unfolded more than 2,000 years ago, and it's a story that has been told every year since then. This story has been called the greatest story ever told, and this story has been called the greatest story ever told because this story tells us what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about our Savior being born. Christmas is all about our Savior being born. And the simple truth is that I could finish this Christmas Eve service right there. After all, there is nothing that is more important for us to hear when we are only hours away from Christmas Day than the true meaning of the season. And the true meaning of the season is that Jesus Christ has come. But don't start logging off of your web browsers or shutting down your computers or turning off your smartphones just yet. I mean, I am barely a minute into this sermon, so there is clearly more to this message than the unforgettable story that some of our children just read to us this Christmas Eve. And it's a message that I think we all need to hear. But we're going to take the scenic route to get to this message. And this scenic route, it starts with another story. But this story... It doesn't involve overflowing inns where there was no room for a young couple to stay. In this story, it doesn't involve shepherds who were out watching over their flocks by night. And this story doesn't involve swaddling clothes or a manger. This story doesn't involve Christmas at all. This story actually began on an April day more than eight years ago. It was a day that had begun like so many other days, but it was a day that had a once-in-a-lifetime kind of ending for my family. That April day was the day that Ashley and I welcomed our little girl into this world, the day that I became a father. I can still remember that day. I can still remember holding Hannah in my arms for the very first time. And I can still remember her scrunched up little face and that new baby kind of smell she had. I can still remember the tears that rolled down my cheeks as I met my little girl for the very first time. And as I sat in that room on that April day, holding her tight in my arms and close to my chest, I can still remember thinking that this, this is what it means to be a father. Now, more than eight years later, I can honestly tell you that that was one of the most naive thoughts that I have ever had in my entire life. And I started to realize just how naive that thought was pretty quickly. I started to get a real sense of what it actually means to be a father just a few hours after Hannah was born when a crying baby woke me up in the middle of the night for the very first time. And then I learned more about what it really means to be a father the very next night when I struggled to change Hannah's clothes for the first time and somehow managed to put her onesie on upside down, if you can believe that. Soon, being a father meant being able to rock my daughter to sleep or being able to get her to take her bottle or being able to successfully change her diaper without ruining an outfit, either hers or mine, just for the record. But that role, well, it quickly changed as well. So it wasn't long before I became Hannah's biggest encourager, cheering her to roll over for the very first time. Then there was all of that time that I spent as a role model, crawling around on the floor, hoping that Hannah would somehow learn from my example. Then I became her great protector, 
baby proofing every single surface in our entire house and vocally wondering on more than one occasion why every single piece of furniture has to have such sharp corners. Then I became a steady hand that held hers and helped her as she took her first steps. And soon enough, I felt like I was a marathon runner chasing her all over our house. A few years later, I felt my role change again. And my role as a father was turned into being a bit of a con artist, trying to trick my daughter into eating her vegetables. Or my job became being her own private wrangler, trying to get her out the door in time to make it to school on time. But I've also had the role of being the storyteller, who gets to regale Hannah with tales of her favorite princesses or other storybook characters. And I've had the chance to be her dance partner that twirls her around the living room whenever she has decided it was time to have a dance party. And these roles and these responsibilities, they have continued to change. Because no matter how many times I tell her not to, my little girl just keeps on growing up. She's not that newborn baby with that scrunched up face anymore. Hannah is now a full-fledged kid who is getting way too close to being a tween for this father's comfort. Over the years, Hannah has become an avid reader who tears through more books in a week than a whole lot of people will read in their entire lifetime. She loves learning, and she dreams about becoming a veterinarian when she grows up, even if she doesn't want to be the one who actually has to give any animal a shot. She's someone who makes me proud every single day, and that's especially true for me as I have watched how Hannah has handled this pandemic over the last nine months. In a time that has been filled with so much uncertainty and change for every single one of us, my eight-year-old has handled it like a champ. Of course, by now, I am sounding way more like a bragging parent than I am like your pastor, but I'm not going to apologize for that. But you might be wondering if this sidetrack really has anything to do with this Christmas Eve sermon. And the answer to that is, of course it does. Of course it does. And there's a reason why I've told the story. You see, every year when December rolls around, we turn our attention to the arrival of Jesus in this world. So every year, we hear the story about Mary. Every year, we hear the story about Joseph. Every year, we hear the story of Herod, and we hear the story of the wise men. Every year, we hear the story of the shepherds, and we hear the story of the angels. We have heard all of these stories so many times that we can practically recite them word for word whenever the preacher or some of our kids begin to read them. So we know this story. We know this story. We know that this story tells us about Mary and that Mary is just a girl who was thrown into the deep end of the pool when she learned that she was with child. And we know that this story tells us about Joseph and that Joseph was a poor carpenter who had every right and every reason to divorce his fiancée when he found out that she was carrying someone else's child. We know about the shepherds, and we know that the shepherds didn't deserve to hear the good news that Jesus Christ had come before anybody else did. We even know that the wise men didn't show up on the scene while Jesus was actually in the manger, but they came a couple of years down the road. So we know this story. We know this story. But sometimes we forget 
that this story doesn't end with the manger. We forget that this story doesn't end with the manger. Sometimes we forget that Jesus didn't come into this world just so we could celebrate Christmas every December, and just so we can ooh and ah that a newborn baby has entered in to our world. Jesus came into this world for something far greater than that. But the truth is, we don't always want to hear why a Savior was born in the city of David on that first Christmas day. And we don't always want to hear why a Savior was born because the truth is, baby Jesus is just easier. Baby Jesus is easier. Baby Jesus is easier for us to understand because baby Jesus was like any other baby. All he needed was to be rocked or fed or changed. And baby Jesus is easier, and he's easier because, honestly, who of us has ever met a baby that we just could not stand? But baby Jesus doesn't remain a baby. Baby Jesus doesn't remain a baby. Jesus, he grows up. And that cute, innocent baby who wise men once flocked to see becomes a rebel that royalty and religious leaders alike wanted to see killed. Because Jesus, Jesus didn't come into this world to bring a warm, fuzzy feeling into our hearts one month out of the year. Jesus came into our world to bring the good news of God to the entire world. The book of Isaiah explains to us what this good news is in the scripture passage that we're going to be looking at today. And the book of Isaiah is a work of a prophet named Isaiah, appropriately enough. And a prophet's job was to speak on behalf of God. And basically, God always had one of two messages that he wanted his prophets to speak on his behalf. When the people of Israel weren't doing a great job of following God, God wanted the prophets to tell the people to straighten up and get their act right before it was too late. But if the people didn't listen to the message that, they, the, that the prophets brought and they started reaping what they had sowed for their bad behavior, well, the second message that God wanted the prophets to bring was God wanted to, the prophets to remind the people of Israel that it wouldn't always be that way. And the passage that we're going to be reading from today, from Isaiah chapter 61, it's the second kind of message. The people of Israel, they have messed up. The people of Israel have turned their backs on God. And things weren't going really well for them because of that. So in Isaiah chapter 61, God tells the people of Israel that they won't always have to suffer. And he promises them that he has something big planned for them. So let's listen together to these words from Isaiah chapter 61. We'll start reading in verse 1. Here's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of faint spirit, 
They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. When we first hear what this good news is, it's hard to understand how this message could ever get Jesus into any trouble. After all, this entire passage from the book of Isaiah, it seems to be filled with nothing but hope. There is hope for the oppressed. There is hope for the brokenhearted. There is hope for the captives. And there is hope for the prisoners. There is hope for all those who mourn. So when we hear these words, the corners of our mouth begin to rise and a smile starts to creep across our faces because we need to hear all of these words of hope. After all, there are times when we all feel like we're oppressed and brokenhearted. There are times when we all feel like we're isolated and during this pandemic, a lot of us have felt like we've been imprisoned. There are times when we mourn and we all long to be comforted these words, these words take an entirely different meaning when we look beyond ourselves and honestly try to understand who these words are really meant for. I mean, just think about one of the images that's mentioned inside of this passage from Isaiah. Just think about the image of prisoners. So tell me, who are these prisoners? Well, the easiest answer to that question is to say that prisoners are people who are in prison, people who have been convicted of some sort of crime. Well, in 2020, over 55% of prisoners that are incarcerated in state prisons are serving sentences because they have committed violent crimes. And these violent crimes run the spectrum from assault to murder. But this passage, this passage, of scripture from Isaiah. It's also a passage that Jesus himself says that he fulfills in Luke chapter 4, verse 21. And he says that God will set the prisoners free. So how does that make you feel? How do you feel about hearing that God is going to set people who were incarcerated for committed violent crimes free? Or what about the captives, like soldiers who were captured during war? Now, we may like to hear that God will proclaim their liberty when we think about our nation's prisoners of war. But do we feel the same way when we think about the soldiers that our armed forces have taken captive during war? You see, this is the scandal of Christmas. Jesus didn't just come into this world for you and for me. Jesus didn't just come into this world for the family that we're going to send presents to for Christmas or the friends that we'll bake cookies for this time of year. And Jesus didn't just come into this world for the folks that we're going to invite to our Christmas banquets or Christmas parties whenever COVID-19 is finally under control. Jesus came into this world for people that we would never think to send a present to or to bake a cookie for. Jesus came into this world for people that we would never invite over for a Christmas dinner. Jesus came into this world for people that we wouldn't even bother sending a Christmas card to. Jesus came for all people. Jesus came for all people. And we need to understand that when we say all people, it means all people, especially the people that most of us 
looked down on. That's the scandal of Christmas. The scandal of Christmas is that God loves us all. God loves us all. And God loves us all not because of who we are or because of what we do. God loves us all because of who God is and because of what God chooses to do. Our choice is to join in the work that God is doing. Our choice is to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. Our job is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Our job is to comfort all that mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. After all, this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't just come to be a baby in a manger. Jesus came to grow up, to become a man, to become our Messiah. And as Jesus grew, as he left that manger behind, he traveled throughout Israel teaching and proclaiming what the good news and the message of hope of God really is. And Jesus showed us miracles. He performed these miracles to show us what the kingdom of heaven is all about. And Jesus ultimately laid down his life for us, dying on that cross to show us how much he loves us all and to make sure that nothing, nothing can separate us from God forever. And Jesus was resurrected three days later to show that absolutely nothing can stand between us and God. So this Christmas, let's not forget that Jesus doesn't stay in that manger. Let's remember everything that happens throughout his time on this earth. Let's remember who Jesus is and what Jesus shows us the meaning of Christmas is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. May we all celebrate this Jesus this Christmas. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, we all have to admit that sometimes at Christmas, we don't think beyond the manger. We get so caught up in celebrating the birth of your son that we forget that he grows into a man that he grows into our Messiah, that he challenges us, that he confronts us, that he tries to transform our lives, God. So allow us to be changed by this good news that Christ has come for us all. Let us love one another and everyone we meet the way that you love us all, a love that is so great that you entered into this world for us all. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast and spending part of your Christmas with us. And I hope that this episode has reminded you of what this season is all about. It's about more than just the good news that a baby is born. It's about the good news that our Messiah, that Jesus has come into this world, and it's about the great news of how much God loves every single one of us. That's right. God loves you. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, God completely and totally loves you. 
Now, we're going to wrap up now so that you can enjoy the rest of your Christmas celebrations, but I want to invite you to come back and join us on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. when the next episode of our sermon podcast drops. We'll be wrapping up the series that we've been working through over the last few weeks where we've been talking about the fact that Christmas isn't canceled. Throughout the series, I've been trying to remind you that COVID-19, it can't cancel Christmas. But I do want to warn you that there is something that each of us can do to cancel Christmas. So we'll talk more about that in our next episode. So I hope that you'll join us then. And until then, let me wish you a Merry Christmas once again, and we'll see you soon.